it takes courage for seniors in high school to come speak in front of the congregation. So great job, guys. Have you ever felt like you don't belong? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt so uncomfortable because what was happening around you felt so foreign? I have on so many occasions. Let me tell you about a few. When I first started dating Taylor, we would go to her parents' house at least once a week. This was something I enjoyed. We got to know her parents a little better, and I got a you know, home-cooked meal. When I was in college, it was great. Win-win situation. But every now and then, during a special holiday, Taylor's dad would pull out this tradition that made me so uncomfortable. So let's say it was Father's Day. Um, he would stop in the middle of our meal and say, let's go around the table and share our favorite Father's Day memories. I'm like, excuse me? What are we doing? And so he would go first. And so he went into a 10-minute elaborate special memory. And at the end, you know, everyone's like crying and shedding tears except for me because I'm still thinking, what am I going to say? And, um, and, and then Taylor's family would go. And so Taylor and her siblings and the mom. And, and from my point of view, they made William Shakespeare look like an amateur. All right. And so now it was my turn. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm trying to impress Taylor's parents. And so I'm like, uh, uh. Uh, we went to a baseball game once. It was fun. <laughs> and then I was just glad it was over because I just felt so uncomfortable because we didn't do this in my house growing up. We just sat around the table arguing about whose sports team was better. All right? And sometimes we threw fists. There was no sentimental value. Like, it was like you didn't punch each other. You love each other. Like, that's how we did things. And my mom mediated the arguments. It was great. So when I got into this situation, I felt so uncomfortable because what was happening around me felt so foreign. Another time I felt like a foreigner was when I was at an orchestra concert. And if you know me, all I have to say was I was at an orchestra concert and you know that I was an imposter. Like I didn't belong there. Surprised they didn't like kick me out like when they figured out. But Taylor asked slash forced me to go. Y'all know how that goes. All right. And so we get there and you know the terrible thing about theaters, you got to sit next to people you don't know. Like that's the worst. I don't want to talk to a stranger at an orchestra. Like at a ball game, cool, I'm good, but an orchestra concert, and my greatest fear came alive because the older gentleman started talking to me. <laughs> and he, uh, he didn't know how disappointed he would be if we continued this conversation because <laughs> I know nothing about orchestra or concerts or anything musical, okay? But I was there, and so he talked to me. And he didn't get the hint that I didn't know what was going on because I said, yeah, that's cool, like 10 times. And he still was going on. And so eventually I asked Taylor if we could leave early, and we did. So there's tons of times in my life where I just felt like a foreigner, and I felt uncomfortable in a situation. And maybe some of you can relate to just feeling uncomfortable because you feel like you don't belong. But maybe it's not a bad thing to feel like a foreigner. Maybe if you feel like you don't belong, you're headed in the right direction. What if God is actually calling us to live like foreigners? What if we're called to stick out and not blend in? What if we're called to stick out so much we look like Jack at an orchestra concert? It's <laughs> terrible. Living this way will naturally cause people to realize you're different. But what people call different, God calls chosen. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, and God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness 
into his wonderful light. You see, a lot of us, when we see the word priest in this text right here, we automatically think of the Catholic priest. But when Peter was writing this letter, he wasn't thinking about the Catholic priest because they weren't even around yet. He was talking about the Old Testament priest because the Old Testament priests were the only ones allowed in the presence of God. And so people would actually bring their offering to them to sacrifice for their sins, but the priests were the only ones allowed in God's presence to do so. So God actually chose the priest himself because he wanted to choose who was in his presence. But when Jesus came on this earth and died for our sins, he became the ultimate sacrifice. He became the ultimate high priest. So now we can have direct access to the Father and all we need is Jesus. And that makes you special. That makes you chosen. That makes you holy. Because if you can have a direct conversation with God, you're different. And even from the Old Testament people, you were different. But the question is, we have to ask ourselves, do we act different? Or do we just blend in? A good way to start acting different is to start living as a Christian foreigner. Because the more we act like Christian foreigners, the closer we are to the kingdom of God. Let me give you an example of what this looks like. Pastor Francis Chan went on a mission trip to Africa. After he got back, he felt so convicted that he had so much and the village he visited had so little. So he talked to his wife and they decided to downsize their house. And after they did so, they gave all their money to the village in Africa that was suffering. And he said none of his friends came up to him and said, well done, way to follow God, way to be a good, ser good servant, way to be just in love with God. He, he said, no, no, they're like, what are you doing? Like, think about the investment of the house. Did you even consider your kids? And Francis is thinking more than you'll ever know. And so he was, he was telling the story in his book, and he was like, and I was just following a conviction from God, but my friends cast me out like a foreigner, and these were his church friends. Imagine being such a Christian foreigner that church people don't recognize you. That is why this sermon is called Dear Christian Foreigners. And today our topic is not an original idea. This is how Peter addresses God's people in 1 Peter. He says, Dear Christian Foreigner. And this is how he starts his letter. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 2. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Minithnia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. And when you're reading this text, you have to ask yourself the question, why is Peter singling these Christians out, telling them they don't belong. Because if anyone called anyone else a foreigner today, they'd be insulted, right? Like, what'd you call me? But so why is, why is Peter telling these Christians, you don't belong? Why doesn't he say, hey, just stick it out. Like, God's blessing's coming. The people are going to love you soon. No, he says, you, Christian foreigner. If Peter's goal is encouragement, what's he getting at? Well, the answer's in the text. Let's keep reading. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with a great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, 
beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Peter is telling these Christian foreigners, hold on. Y'all don't see the yelling in the text, do you? He's saying, hold on. You're living with people who you don't belong to, literally and figuratively. But, and you might be being persecuted and alienated because of your beliefs. But hold on. Hold on. You have an inheritance coming. And it is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled. And it will never change or decay. And it will remind you that you don't belong to this earth. When Peter calls God's people Christian foreigners, he is encouraging them that this isn't the end. So my question today is, are you living like Christian foreigners or acting like you belong? My fear, seniors, is you're going to be tempted like, you're going to be tempted to act like you belong to this world, especially when you go to college. The world's going to want you to believe things that are the opposite of God. My fear, points in the Christian church, is some of us are living like we belong to this world right now. And let me show you why this is a dangerous mindset. I got this illustration from Francis Chan, who I told about earlier. And when I saw him do it, it like changed my perspective. So I'd like to share it with you guys today. This small part of the rope that's duct tape represents our life on earth. This is when we're born. This is when we graduate high school. This is when we get married. This is when, I don't know, something happens. <laughs> this, is when, this is when we become grandparents. This is when we retire. This is when some of us second retire and retire for the third time because we can't stop working. And then we die. That's it. Like that's how short our life is on earth. So this rest of this rope, what's it represent? Eternity in heaven, our inheritance with Jesus, only granted by Jesus. So why, knowing that this is eternity and this rope goes on forever, would we fight and claw and worry about what's going on in this world? We got so much more to look forward to. When are we going to stop living for this small part and live for this part? And so that's why it's a dangerous mindset. Nate the Saint, one of my favorite missionaries growing up, um, he and five men and their families went to go live in Ecuador among the Wodini tribe. And they felt a calling by God to go there. But this tribe was hostile. Like they were known for murdering people. Like they were known to being hostile to other tribes. Like you don't go near these people. But Nate the Saint felt called by God to be there. So he went. And when they're, when they're there, they have guns with them. They're in the jungle. It's dangerous. They want to protect themselves. And so one day, Nate's son comes up to him and says, like, what are you going to do if they attack? Like, what are you going to do if they come after you? He said, son, we can't shoot the Rodini. They're not ready for heaven, and we are. You're living for this side of the rope. What side are you living on? Today, Point Siena Christian Church, we're going to start living for the eternal inheritance promised to us by God. And we're going to start to live like Christian foreigners. We're going to do that by addressing three things Christian foreigners are called 
to do to separate themselves from the world. The first is this. Christian foreigners are called to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.13 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Dear Christian foreigners, you can't follow Jesus and live the life you used to live before you knew Jesus. So let's get more specific on the difference between the flesh and the spirit to determine which one we're walking in. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what are the acts of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's forbearance. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness and self-control. So I want to ask you a few questions to help determine whether or not you're walking in the spirit or the flesh. You guys are going to like this. Okay? One question. How do you act when you're driving in Kissimmee? <laughs> Ooh, you got to. But do you cuss people out under your breath or out loud? Do you stare people down? Sometimes I do. Probably shouldn't, but if they're bigger than me, you just look away quick. Um, <laughs> do you cut people off in fits of rage? Do you yell at people? And some of you are like, but Jack, they're in the wrong. They cut me off. They weren't paying attention. They don't know how to drive. But isn't the fruit of the Spirit patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control? Dear Christian foreigners, how you drive in Kissimmee, can determine whether or not you're living by the spirit or the flesh. Here's another question. Have I asked your spouse, do they walk in the spirit or the flesh? How would they answer? If I asked your kid, would they laugh? Like, hell, they don't walk in the spirit. Or they say, no, no, my mom or dad loves God more than anyone I know. What about your coworkers? What about your friends? Do they even know you're a Christian? Or do you just blend in? Because you're afraid. Dear Christian foreigners, there's too much at stake to blend in in this dark world. This world needs a light. We need to live by the Spirit to show people the light of Jesus. The second thing I want to address is Christian foreigners are called to be content. This is hard. You see, on most days, I don't mind driving my 1999 Honda Accord. I don't. It gets me to where I want to go. I have no car payment. And the car parts are so great, people steal them in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping. True story. Okay? So it's a great car. All right? But when I see my brother-in-law drive his brand new car to our family gathering, then I don't like my Honda so much anymore. I begin to feel discontent. On most days, I don't mind living in a one-bedroom apartment. Neither does my wife. I don't have to cut the grass if a hurricane comes, tears up the roof. I don't have to pay for it. It's great. 
I can call maintenance, maintenance to fix anything I need fixed. Like, if something's broken, I could fix it. I'm like, eh, call maintenance, right? Because that's what you can do. But when my older brother sends a picture of his brand new four bed and 2.5 bathhouse to our family group chat, I begin to feel discontent and hate him a little more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get me out of that group chat, please. On most days, I don't mind being a youth minister. I love, I love my students. It's great, but when I'm putting in an all-night event at the church, and I have so many kids here, and it's like 4 a.m., and i got three hours to go, and every sane person alive is sleeping except for the people at the lock-in with me, I begin to feel discontent, like I want to do anything else right now to sleep, right? On most days, I don't, mean, I don't mind being married to Taylor. Just kidding. <laughs> I love being married to Taylor all the time. Three of you just woke up. What do you say? <laughs> Just, just a wake up. Listen, this is important. Discontentment is a poison to our souls. Discontentment keeps us focused on what we don't have instead of being thankful for what we do have. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 9. Yet true godliness with the contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. So we have enough food and clothing. Let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. About six years ago, I told my grandma I was going into ministry. And she says, you sure? There's no money on that. What are you doing? Go be a doctor. And I was like, thanks for the support. Love you too. And, um, but to be honest, you guys, it really didn't bother me at the time. because It's just a perspective thing. I was, living, I was living for God's calling, not money. I was trying to live on this side of the rope. But like I said before, when I start seeing other people drive their brand new cars and buy their brand new houses, then I become discontent. And I start to think, maybe if I change my career path, maybe if I just had those things, I would be happy. And you see, now I'm prioritizing money over God's calling. Seniors, never prioritize money over God's calling. But what if instead of looking over our shoulder at what we don't have, we started being thankful for what we do have? What if we saw everything good in our life as a gift from God? James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. What if instead of comparing, we started thinking? Because if we started thinking, we start to live on this side of the road. Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my apartment. I don't deserve it. Thank you for everything good in my life. And most of all, thank you for your son who died on the cross for my sins and made a way that I can enjoy this side of the rope, that I don't have to be stressed and anxious about what happens on this side because I got so much more to look forward to. Let us be content. Dear Dear Christian foreigners, life is too short to be discontent. Discontentment is a never-ending race to pursue the things we don't have. This will lead you to never be thankful for what you do have. And we start being thankful for what we do have. We stop living as entitled people, and we start living as Christian foreigners. The last thing I want to address, our Christian foreigners are called to be focused. 1 Peter 1.17. And remember that the heavenly Father, to whom you pray 
has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as temporary residents. Christian foreigners realize they are temporary residents in a world they, belong, they don't belong to, so they are focused on the kingdom of God. Seniors, when you're focused on the kingdom of God, you don't go to the party on the college campus just because everyone's going. You're more interested and focused on Jesus, and you're living on this side of the rope, not hanging out at secular parties. When you're focused on the kingdom of God, seniors, no matter where life takes you, you don't miss church for work. Sometimes it's going to happen. You're going to get sick. You're going to go on vacation. But you do everything you can because when you come to church and when you read and pray and you're among Christians, you remember this side of the rope. But every time you're not doing that, what are you doing? You're focused on this. Life's too short to focus on this. Be focused on this side of the rope. Because listen, when you're focused, you realize this. This side of the rope doesn't mean heaven for everybody. So it's our job to be focused and tell others about Jesus, about his gift, about his eternal inheritance promised by the blood of Jesus Christ. What side of the rope are you living on today? One of my favorite missionaries growing up was Nathan Saint. It's the first one I read about, but man, his story just pulls on my heartstrings and challenges me to walk with Christ better. He and five men and their families decided to go to Ecuador and live among the Wodini tribe. And this is dangerous, but because they were walking in the spirit, they ended up living in a hostile group where God wanted them to go. And they were content with what they had because how else do you live in an area where it's more about survival than comfort? And they were focused on the task because they were telling others about Jesus. But one day, one of the Wodini tribe decided to set them up. They told, they told everyone else in the village that the missionaries abused one of them. So there's a hostile group, so they grabbed the spears and went after the missionaries right away. No questions asked. With their spears, ready to kill them. And Nate the Saint and his men had their guns. It was just them five with them. But they didn't shoot. And the Wodini tribe murdered them. Months later, the family, the fallen missionaries, come back to live among them. That astonished the tribe so much, they all gave their lives to Jesus. Because that love is only given by Jesus. And even the ones that murdered, Nate the Saint and his men were saved. But because Nate the Saint was focused on this side of the rope, Lives change. You live a life worth living when you live on this side of the rope. So my question today is what side of the rope are you living on? Because eternity is at stake. Let's pray. You can stand. God, forgive us when we walk on the wrong side of the rope and we when we decide to put so much energy on our life on earth, we forget that we're chosen, we forget that we're Christian foreigners, and we forget our real home. Forgive us for those moments. Help us be focused on you and what you're doing and tell other people about Jesus because eternity is at stake and we're called to stick out and not blend in. 
Lord, guide us today. In your name, amen.